tonight I would like to explore with you how you could um, start to find a meditation practice which really fits, fits you. A bit like after trying many shoes, suddenly you find this one pair which is just like perfect. You know, the feeling like even you might wear sh shoes for many years which are like a straight jacket. They are not made for your feet. They, like you squeeze yourself into them and each step is like painful. And, and it might look good, but it feels horrible. So similar, a similar process can happen in your meditation practice or in your spiritual practice or in your yoga that it is like a straitjacket where you try to squeeze into and then if it does not fit you, f you feel it's your fault that there's something wrong, wrong with you because it seemed to work for the teacher so it should work for you but that's not how it is so I think, uh, not only me, but uh, other meditation teachers also, that your path is very personal and very unique. And you actually create your path by walking. If you just try to walk on a path which has been already walked on before, then very unlikely that path will actually fit your speed, your rhythm, your preferences, where you are in your life, uh, the particular psychological wounding you bring into your practice. Why well, in Buddhist words you would say the karmic background is so, is so different for all of us uh, that I think it, it has to be the case that all of us here, we need to listen to our own inner authority and be, and, and be brave enough to be creative, to, uh, to, to develop or to find your own piece of art, which is your meditation practice. It's like a piece of art. And of course, you get tools and you get you know, people can tell you this and that uh, and you get techniques but in the end nobody can tell you because only you can feel if the shoe fits you, you know, the person trying to sell you the shoes can say you know it's per perfectly it fits perfectly look it's it's the perfect shoe for you and you might get overrun by it if you are not uh, solid enough, if you are not, if you are not in touch with your own experience, or if you are not loyal to your own experience. So if you are loyal to your own experience, then you would say, fuck off, this shoe does not fit. I'm not, I'm not going to buy it. Give me some other shoe, something which fits me. Yes, and I have a bit crooked feet and, and, and flat and uh, I don't know, or narrow or 
whatever. Uh, so give me the shoes which fit. So that's what I would like to emphasize uh, tonight. So it's not so much about the different techniques to tonight, but rather uh, uh, an attempt to encourage you to listen to the real meditation expert for your meditation practice, and that's yourself. And uh, of course, sometimes, depending on our personality, we would wish that someone would tell us, these are the shoes, <coughs> these are the only ones, there's no choice, get your feet into these shoes. Some, something that's it's nice for it, that, because it, it takes away responsibility, it takes away this fear of, uh, am I doing it right, like a lack of trust, in your in your own inner wisdom so be aware of that that uh, your own individuation and your own discovery of your authentic meditation practice is also a bit scary because we we wish there would be someone out there telling us what to do maybe not all of you but some but there is something there. So being told, hey, you need to think for yourself. You need to be loyal to your experience. You are, you are the expert in your life. You feel what is nurturing for you. You feel what is good for you. You feel it. You know it. It's like fitting the shoe. You feel it. Nobody else can feel it. You put on the shoes and it feels like... I not even I have not even noticed that I tortured myself with shoes which don't fit me. I have not even noticed that. So and it's a it's a sense, it's a felt sense in your body. You know, this felt sense you have when you feel this is the right thing, this is the right book to buy, this is this is the right direction to go. It's, it's in us. We have that wisdom. It's just we need to trust it. And tonight I want to... Basically, I've said what I'm going to say already. <laughs> so they, that's the message. You can go fall asleep now. <laughs> that's, uh, but I, I will, uh, I will um, share how, in my experience, what what kind of attitudes, what kind of intentions can, can help you. And of course, do what I do while you're listening and also now in the first meditation. Do exactly that, what I just said. You know, you listen and you feel, you, you, you listen with your whole body and you feel those parts and those instructions and that what I say where you feel, yeah, oh, yes, that's my shoe, yeah, that feels right. 
And then there will be things I will say where you feel, wow, what a bullshit. This is, I mean, I don't take that. This is like, this makes me <coughs> narrow, that, that stresses me. Yeah? So then you notice that. Because I can't, I can't, uh, if I would talk individually with you, then it would be easier, then I could adopt to what I feel, what your preference and rhythms are. But since, since there's more than one person here, I have to, I have to try to talk to many different, different, uh, different ears and different backgrounds and, and some things I say, they will be helpful for some of you and not helpful at all for others. And I can't know. It's up to you. You need to listen. And in the same time, being in connection with your own authority, with your inner authority. So let's sit quietly for a few minutes. So if you adjust your posture a bit, and if you like, you can close your eyes. And then just notice what happens. when you start to pay a bit attention to your own energy, to what you bring with you into this moment. And then As part of this arriving, you might want to slide on the breath, on the in-breath into the body. You drop into your body with your awareness. Even down into your feet. the out-breath you let go, you soften, you give space. <clears throat> In your belly, in your shoulders in your face
And then again with the in-breaths, sliding into the body, welcoming, embracing. And with the out-breath opening like a flower. Of course, thoughts continue to arise, and that's no problem. There's enough space. You relax the need to feel good. You relax the need to control. And you relax the grasping, the grasping for good things and the rejecting of discomfort. You relax that, like a fist opening. So you soften into your experience as it is. Then when you notice that you get stuck in the head again, entangled in your thoughts, you drop back, <coughs> like falling in love. You drop back and you befriend your own energy. Nothing is excluded. You allow yourself to find a place of rest in the midst of your experience. Nothing needs to change. Turning, noticing the lifeness in your hands, in your belly, and really shifting away from the head, 
dropping into the trunk of your body. There's nothing to do for you just now. Just sitting quietly. Letting go of the control freak, the meditator, the goody-goody boy. the goody-goody girl. Nothing to think about. So you give up thinking. Unhook from thinking. Unhook from thinking, dropping into the body, befriending your own energy. Then even if there's still movement and some agitation or you're tired, maybe we can still appreciate a stillness or a presence which arises when we sit quietly together in the spirit of kindness protected by the teachings of the Buddha. Can you hear the stillness? Um, nothing needs to calm down for that stillness. What I mean is a more a deeper stillness. Listen to that stillness with your whole body, with your heart, with your belly. needs to change to be in peace. Look into the peace which is already here.
the piece from which these words come and in which they are perceived. Then when you notice that you're entangled, that the story becomes more important than life, then you drop back into your hands with a certain appreciation or curiosity. attention to care. returning, returning and resting.
towards the end of our sitting quietly, I invite you to bring your awareness a bit into your heart, breathing gently into your heart. it's possible for you to connect with your heartfelt intention to heal, to love. Maybe love can become the reason why you meditate. some points down randomly and there's a second page so I'm not sure if I can go through all of them but we have a few years so I can take my time The first uh, point I wrote down is follow your rhythms. So we have different rhythms, different speeds. For example, right now, my my I'm I'm quite slow. 
and uh, I could think, come on, you need to be a bit more, you know, hurry up, man. We have only 20 minutes and there's so many points. So to, or I, I could be a, a very speedy person. You know, I could and then I could feel, and then I could think, I need to restrain myself. I I need to become more slow. Yeah. And uh, it's so beautiful if you dare to be yourself. If you just, if you are loyal to your own. Yeah, your own rhythm. You don't. You neither need to slow down for your meditation practice, nor do you need to speed up. And of course, that also changes. Sometimes you maybe you are more energetic. Yeah? So then, if you prepare for your meditation practice, so boom, boom, zack, 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 things together, sitting down, so you are more energetic and then you might speed up with your mantra and your prayer or, you know, you do some prostrations or you do a brisk walking meditation. There's nothing more torturous for a speedy person than mindfully eating an apple. <laughs> Yeah, it has nothing to do with, um, with, with, with speed. You know, a speedy person can be much more present eating an apple and eating it quick than a slow person. Uh, well, that, yeah, so then someone, you know, trying to slow down and, you know, feeling it's ridiculous and like that would be squeezing yourself trying to you know trying to get into the slow person's energy and this is so important not to be violent to yourself in your meditation practice in your spiritual practice don't be hard on yourself because then the only thing you train is to be hard and violent and that's not what we want to train in meditation. So you increase your tolerance towards the energy you have and with that you also increase your tolerance to the energy in other people because there's speedy people and slow people. And with slow people you would often think, come on, hurry up. We don't have all the time today to do mindfully our dishes. Yeah. Uh, follow your rhythms also means that you honor you know, the time when it for you when for you it's most wholesome to slow down and to sit you know, that sometimes there's this idea you should get up in the morning at 4 o'clock and meditate yeah if you don't have family and work and you're a monk somewhere in a cave that's fantastic you can get up at 4 o'clock <laughs> there's nothing to do you know 
but uh, that might be not your rhythm at least right now. So maybe for you the best is to sleep as long as possible and have a mindful cup of tea, um, coffee, not tea. He doesn't help, but coffee. <laughs> so, mind, a mindful cup of, of coffee. And while you do that, maybe you listen to a little teaching or you, you have like a, at your coffee table, you have like a little book with some reflections and you look at it and, and you reflect on it. That's meditation. Some time, some, some time ago, I talked with this uh, young man who told me, wow, it's always such a torture for me in the morning to get up and get to the meditation practice. And I force myself every morning. But then, when I'm finished with that, then I go to my kitchen table and I make a coffee. And then there's the, the Buddhist book there he's reading. And then I'm sitting down, and then I'm reading a bit, and then I'm reflecting on it. Oh, and I look out of the window, and it's so wonderful and so inspiring. And he just didn't understood that that was his meditation. He just found his rhythm. He just found his style to have a meditation practice in the morning. But he had this idea, I sh you should do it like this. And it didn't fit his rhythms. It didn't fit his, his, his needs. So when I, uh, when I counsel people in their meditation practice, then what I do is I, I just, you know, together with that person explore, okay, what, what fits? Where does it fit? During the day, how? You don't need to sit in a certain place. You don't need to sit in a certain way. It can be helpful, of course, and you know if it's helpful for you, and that's fantastic. But the couch is a wonderful place to meditate. Or the bench in front of your house, if you have a house. Or on the balcony, or... So that's follow your rhythms. It's also connected with this honor your preferences. Yeah. The second is to welcome thoughts. This is very important. Because there's a rumor around that we shouldn't have thoughts in meditation and that when you think that's not meditation and uh, or maybe the rumor that at one point you will not think anymore in your meditation or that the lessening of thoughts is somewhat, somehow um, uh, an indication for a good meditation. It isn't. Uh, imagine a person who is really completely concentrated, like you know these uh, people who bring up in the f the planes in the airport, 
you know, they're sitting in the screens and they are completely, I mean, they are like just there and they're completely concentrated. And after two hours, they are completely exhausted and they need to shift. And with 50, they have to retire because they are completely burned out. The meditation has nothing to do with concentration. Uh, so these people, when they are there, they don't think about dinner. They don't have extra thoughts. They are completely concentrated and it's not meditation. So welcome your thoughts. Make, make your thinking and your thoughts a support in your meditation, not an obstacle. <coughs> and that takes time to find a peaceful coexistence with your thinking mind and uh, explore the difference of being entangled in your thoughts, which will happen again and again. But even then, if you notice that you're entangled in your thoughts, don't hit yourself. This is a very so so. This is what happens. What could happen is. What could happen is that, when you find yourself entangled in your thoughts, that you try to concentrate. So you try to. You tense, like you 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 kind of you you try to push the thoughts away or. You try to forcefully bring your mind back to the object. And what you actually need to do in a moment when you find yourself entangled in thoughts is to relax more. So from the outside, it looks like that. So unskillful meditation, let's say on the breath. The shoulders go up. That that's you know that's why I give some often the instruction to relax your shoulders. Now I exaggerate, yeah, but I can see it. Uh, I'm sneaking sometimes, yeah? <laughs> and then it's like this, and then something here happens. And then, wow, yeah, I'm getting there. <laughs> and of course, you're not going to like that kind of meditation. Because, you know, it, it, it's like, uh, it's exactly what you, what you have enough of. Tension and violence with your own experience. So, when you get entangled, and that's what I mean to make thinking a support in your meditation. So when you find yourself entangled, you take that as a signal to relax more, to love more, to care more, to be more curious. Like you, you find yourself entangled in some worries, for example. So that is, and it becomes a support when, when you notice it, and in that moment, you take care of the tension in your body. 
you take care of you take care of what these thoughts trigger in you in your body and you're curious about it so what brings you back in meditation is not discipline it's care it's curiosity that's what brings you back and then your meditation slowly slowly becomes nourishing and wholesome so completely different than the this flight the people who help with the planes who are exhausted after two hours doing that you discover that a half an hour of meditation an hour of meditation is actually nourishing it's like it's a self-indulgence it's like better than a massage it's like fantastic then welcome your thoughts is also you know give some space also to follow the thinking so now I, I, I said I, maybe it sounded a bit that it's a problem when you get entangled in your thinking no it's it's not like black and white like that so give also sometimes space you know allow your mind to bring you somewhere be curious about what, where your mind goes because it shows you what's important for you what matters for you what what you worry about what are your, your hopes your fears what are your intentions so give also some space for that it's such a i mean we could you know go down onto our knees and praise our thoughts this wonder i mean it's such a wonder having thoughts i mean nobody you will never figure it out it's such a beautiful thing it's like fantastic it's like what is it it's like uh, and the only you know the only the only way to uh, to uh, uh, to be in awe of thoughts is is from inside you know it's like uh, it's you you have them and and uh, and it's uh, i mean it's like it's it's one of the biggest wonders in the universe thoughts and they are so far science western science is so far away from understanding what it is uh, so there can be really uh, i mean it's better than watching movies it, it's i mean it's much better <laughs> your thoughts are you know they are amazing so then if you if you give that some space and they can come and go in my, my experience is that quite a lot of people when 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 I lead retreats and they get these instructions for the first time maybe having tried to suppress thoughts for a long time that's what some people try to do in their meditation practice to suppress thoughts so 
And then suddenly they give this instruction and uh, they get this instruction and they dare actually to do it. Not and Some people don't dare to do it because it's... They, many people really feel the th thoughts, they don't have nothing, they shouldn't be in meditation. So if they get an instruction like this and they don't listen to it or they think this is stupid. Yeah. Uh, but then when people dare to do that, just opening the space and letting thoughts in, what happens sometimes is that they become much quieter. No? Like they say, okay thoughts, I surrender. Okay. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Where are you? Wow. Huh. Now I have tried to control my thoughts for a long time. And now they are gone. And then, of course, sometimes it's just a storm. And then there's this thing, which it's difficult. I mean, I can't really explain uh, how it feels, but that's something you, fig you find yourself. And that is a different, the difference between letting thoughts come and go, like clouds, and being entangled. There's a difference there. And it's a continuum. It's not like this or that, but it's like a continuum. Then, one good direction in working with thoughts, when you welcome them, is to look them directly into the face. To become curious about the thoughts themselves. Okay, what are they? Where do they come from? This is an amazing question in your meditation. The next thought you're going to have, where will it come from? Look. This is uh, this is an enlightenment question. The next thought you're going to have, where will it come from? Look right there. And then you look. And what do you see? The other direction, completely opposite, is to become curious about the energy in your hands, to become curious about your breath. So it's like the, the other direction, using your attention to either ex examine thoughts or actually going somewhere else, away from thoughts. For that, for that move to happen, you need to get a sense that your thinking is not going to bring you home. No understanding will bring you into wholeness, into oneness, into peace. None. No understanding. 
your thoughts are crap, most of them, and they actually not helpful in the healing, in the healing process or in the enlightenment process. So there needs to be a kind of, kind of a, like a, a bit of a disappointment, yeah, like in in the thinking, like okay, the what I'm looking for with my thinking, for example, with fantasies of some wonderful things you're going to do, and with fantasies about this wonderful meditation retreat next year, yeah, where everything will be perfect. So that kind of thinking will not nourish you. It's, it's like it's not really the juice. There is not really the juice in your thinking. There's not really the water of life. There is not really... Uh, so they are a bit hollow. Like they are like fake. They are like hamburgers. Yeah? <laughs> you, know, you eat them and you gobble them up, but you know, it's not the real thing. It's not, uh, it's not what you're really looking for. So then, if, if you start to see that, then, then it your mind will much more naturally and effortlessly go there where actually love is, where actually home is, where actually peace is. And your thinking will not bring you there. So then it will be, it will be natural for your mind to go come back to this to this moment. Welcome discomfort. Very important. They are all very important. But welcome discomfort. As long as you try to feel good in your meditation practice, you are not meditating. Then you just do what you try to do with all the other things as well. So what we, use, what we try to do is we try to grasp for the good and reject the bad. That's what we try to do. It's called samsara. It's suffering. It's very simple. It's difficult to, to accept that or to see it. It's not like a belief. It's just how it is. It's not like uh, you need to believe this because the Buddha said, it's just how it is. How do you find out? You just look into your experience. You meditate. And then you will start to discover that you create suffering through grasping. You create suffering through wanting the things to be different than they are. You you'd create suffering through wanting this moment to be different than it is through complaining, through resisting, through trying to, trying to um, adjust your experience so that it's really wonderful. So as long as you will, as long as you think that a good meditation is when you feel good, then your meditation practice will be frustrating. Because most of the time, when you sit down, what you find is not that great. It is like that. 
it's called the first the first noble truth <laughs> and and it was so important for the buddha that it was the first thing he said after his awakening <coughs> and I, i'm sorry i'm sorry i would i would love to you know sell you something like a pill, you know? like, okay, you take this, you do meditation, and then you feel better. You're not going to feel better. Life is suffering. Or, not life is suffering. The, the way we relate to our experience creates suffering. That's what, what this first noble truth means. It's not that life is suffering. Life has no meaning at all. It's neither suffering nor it is not suffering. But the way we relate to our experience, that creates suffering. So, and if we just try to uh, control our experience to feel good in meditation, then meditation is just one of the many things we try. And, and meditation is, is, a, is, a, is the attempt to try something else. Why would we try something else? Because that, what we did so far, didn't work. And it's a good idea, if something does not work, to try something else. Instead of continuing to do what didn't work. So what's the difference in meditation? In meditation, you explore what happens if you embrace, if you accept, if you allow, if you find a space of peace in the if you find, if you settle into a space of peace and into a space of love with whatever is. And more you are able to do that, more you are able to relax into your experience, less you will suffer. You have to try this out. Really, it's worth to try it out. And uh, uh, it... Uh, It's an amazing shift in one's meditation practice. When you are, when you're not try to feel better, letting you no. Know, sometimes I say this medi, this instruction. Let go of the need to feel good. Like thirty percent of the people then leave in the break. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not what we learn. And that's not what we want to learn, to let go of the need to feel good. And we want to have something to fix, to control, to get rid. And then we use meditation in that way. So honor your discomfort. Be, you know, I can sit quietly like this, you know, like for I mean, a few hours. And, and from, from outside, probably sometimes people think, oh, he, he looks so peaceful and he's not moving and not much is happening. And he, here I am, I feel tired, I have back pain, my knee hurt, I am hungry, it's too hot. And all that is happening for me as well. It's the same. I just don't make a problem out of it. 
So, and discomfort here means you know, all the things which happen in meditation which you wish wouldn't happen. You know, falling asleep, being tired, not concentrating, physical discomfort, too hot, too cold, uh, this ache, that ache, uh, restlessness, uh, um, like cloudiness, uh, no, not wanting to sit, uh, you know, and uh, feeling a failure, all, all this. Nothing is, nothing is excluded. So you, you start to sit whenever, whatever, with whatever, whatever. You can't fail. It's like, okay, this is how I feel today. And yeah, I embrace it. I become curious about it. I take care of it. How do I take care of it? I, I see it. And I say, yes, I embrace it. And then it will not happen anymore that you, after 20 minutes of meditation, you feel, wow, this was so horrible. I was just thinking and I was restless and I didn't feel good at all. That was a very bad meditation. I think meditation does not work for me because, again, I was sitting and I didn't feel good. So meditation is not for me. So if that falls away, then, you know, then you, then you feel, oh, wow, I was really restless and distracted today. Wow, that's interesting. And then you could ask yourself, and was I friendly with that? Was I welcoming with that? Okay, honor your preferences. I talked about this with, uh, already with the first um, what is also part of this honor your and then we have a break honor your preferences is also uh, to honor and to explore what kind of meditation objects and what kind of practices are you interested in you know, what, what is it what you want to attain or what, what you want to get in your meditation and yeah, what, where, is your, where is your interest? Which kind of meditation objects make sense for you? For example, uh, quite often one of the first meditation objects you are invited to is the breath. Yeah? And quite often that can be a, a good idea, but also often it's a bad idea. Because uh, it's just not, uh, you, you are not in love with your breath. You are not interested in your breath. And it might be that the breath for you is connected with anxiety and emotion, emotional wounding. And it, it's very unpleasant for you to, uh, uh, to, to, to be with the breath. 
So maybe for you it would be much more interesting or much more wholesome uh, to become curious about the aliveness in your hands. Maybe for you it would be more uh, it would be more conducive uh, to become curious about hearing. Maybe for you it would be more conducive to become curious about movement. So you would dance or walk or go to the fitness center. Maybe you would thrive uh, with the practice of praying to Jesus and feeling the presence of Jesus. Maybe you would thrive with making drawings and using that as your meditation practice. Maybe you would thrive with holding your cat in your lap and feeling the warmth and breathing with the cat. Maybe you would uh, love to meditate by sitting with your partner and he is putting his hand on your shoulder. So the object of your meditation can, be, can, can fit your preferences and interests. And the, the Buddha taught four meditation postures. Sitting, yeah, and it's a pity that that's the main, the main posture in the, in the statues and in the tankas, yeah? But the, it's just one posture. He taught also the standing posture, and there's some, you know, like there, for example, there's the two goddesses there who stand, but there's, there's other. So standing, uh, uh, walking, and very, very important meditation posture, much more important than the sitting posture. It's the lying down posture. It's much more important than this posture. Much more holy. <laughs> much more sacred. Really. And he didn't say, hey, yeah, sitting posture, that's the real. And yeah, the other one, that's like you do in between when you can't sit. And uh, But actually... The really enlightenment can only happen when you sit like this. Yeah? He didn't say that. It has nothing to do with this. Also, it has nothing to do with sitting cross-legged. Well, sometimes I need to encourage people so much, in retreats particular, to sit on a chair. You know? I say, you know, just get up from the floor. I can see that you just torture yourself. It's so uncomfortable for you. Come on, sit on a chair. Make yourself comfortable. What is it? I know what it is. His Holiness the Dalai Lama said, most Westerners, Westerners, they only want to meditate to look holy. And it happens, it really happens that people who sometimes after some time they kind of just, you know, give up on, the, on this posture, that they feel like they fail 
when they sit on a chair, that it is not the real thing. As if meditation has something to do with this. So, I would say, the most sacred meditation posture is the lying down posture. So, explore that. You alternate. Yeah. Can I ask you why that is? What? Why do you think that that is the most uh, sacred posture? I'm not serious. (laughs) 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 I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to the other extreme. So I I try to balance out this idea. uh, They are equal. It doesn't matter. You need to you need to find the posture which works for you. I'm just saying, uh, no, because the 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 lying posture is the posture which for many people seem to be the least meditative posture. So that's why I say it's the most sacred because it's the one we would maybe choose the last. Yeah, instead of actually uh, uh, exploring this lying down posture, even if we can sit quite comfortably in this posture, even if, even if we feel quite fresh and rested, yeah, then it's a good time to do the lying down posture. When you feel rested, it's also good to do it when you're not feeling rested. But, but so you can alternate. You can alternate the posture, yes. When uh, I used to lie down and meditate before I, I go to sleep, and uh, I feel like physics, physical restlessness in my, especially in this. Mm-hmm. It's like I have to do it. Yeah. It's, it's it's quite annoying because yeah. But okay, <coughs> I have to go from this. So it's not it's not a thought. It's like more physical. Yeah, it's a kind of restless leg, or yeah, 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 and it happens when you relax. Yeah, yeah. Mm. When I, especially when I'm more relaxed, mm, it's like yeah. electricity. Yes, is it uh, really a problem? I, I mean, for no, do you make a problem out of it? Then I think it's, it's a, the focus is little break. Yeah, when 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 this happens. Because it is, I mean, for some people, uh, the restless leg is, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. But it does not sound like that for you. It's more like a, a fleeting experience or? Uh, I think it's very interesting when I think in there, relaxing and perhaps I prepare to see uh, my thoughts or confront and welcome them that this happens and what the focus is changed. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, um, it's good to be flexible with your meditation object so that you don't have this idea, okay, I have this one object and then I stay with it. So that's my practice. But that you are more flexible. So you, you are ready to uh, explore different ways to be with that uh, and you let go of this idea you have had okay now I'm doing a body scan or I'm doing a breathing meditation or I say the mantra and then this happens 
and then you uh, see it as an obstacle because it's kind of disturbing the idea of the meditation you have had. So then I think it's helpful to, similar with the thoughts, instead of making it a problem for your meditation, you, ex you explore how it can be a support for your meditation. So, and I don't know how it would be if you would just breathe into it and you embrace it and you explore it, you drop the names, you, you see the energy, you notice how far it goes, you become curious about it. Uh, so another, uh, another option could be that you bring your awareness into the leg which is not twitching. My curiosity, because the curiosity is the, the thing is annoying. This breaks. Yes. The curiosity to open the door, new door, with curiosity. Yeah. This happens. And yeah, but you open the door, that door. You open the curiosity for that, for that. Okay. Two, two doors. <laughs> yeah, I will try. <laughs> <laughs>